Welcome to YG2K News. I'm Bo Tamison Bennett. After 146 days, the final five of which being straight negotiation, the WGA has reached a deal with the AMPTP. This was only possible thanks to the patience and determination of the Writers Guild and the great public pushback against their exploitation. This contract includes many things previously considered deal breakers with the AMPTP, including sliding scales on writers' rooms and considerable protections on the use of AI. Workers are now able to return to work, while a vote on member approval for the new deal will go on from October 2nd to October 9th. SAG after a strike is still going strong as they finally met with the AMPTP to negotiate on October 2nd. The union recently also approved the interactive media division of their actors to strike against many major gaming studios. This means another strike may be imminent if those studios don't get their act together. In a historic move, the United Auto Workers were joined on the picket line by President Biden. This is the first time in American history that a sitting president has joined the striking workers. SoCal strikes are still continuing on and picking up steam as their employers continue to try brushing the situation under the rug. If you are visiting the SoCal area, please double check you are not staying in a struck hotel. It isn't all doom and gloom though as two hotels have come to deals with their workers. In a bit of bad news, California Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed SB 799, the bill that would approve striking workers for unemployment benefits. This bill is already passed in places like New York, as a common tactic many employers use is known as the starve them out method for strikes. He also vetoed SB 686, a bill giving additional protections to domestic workers. These were near unanimously supported bills with union backing. Once again, for all guidelines, rules, and questions, please visit SAG AFTRA's website. This is the first and foremost place for accurate and up-to-date information on the actor strikes efforts. With YG2K News, I'm Bo Tamison Bennett, signing off. Up next, a roundtable discussion of the 1992 direct-to-video stoner spy comedy, Down the Rabbit Hole, directed by Sam Raimi and starring Noah Weil, Lucy Lawless, John Lithgow, and Bruce Campbell. Trigger warning for discussions of fantasy violence and excessively dank drug use. Oh my god, I just looked down. Disk space remaining for recording. 333 hours. But Oh my god, dude. All the fucking time. Like, it's gotten to the point where I've stopped drawing attention to it because I feel like I'm going crazy with how often I am seeing 333 specifically. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> At this point, it has to be the confirmation bias. But still. Which, you would think with my woo-woo... I would go the other way of, like... It's a sign. Yeah, you would think, oh, I'm seeing it so much. It's obviously a sign. No, at this point, I'm convinced it's my confirmation bias. If I just see it randomly, I'm gonna take it as a sign. If it's happening every day at all times, that's my yeah. confirmation bias. You are witnessing. <laughs> Which I 
feel like is opposite of the logic, but that's just how it, I don't know. That's how my brain works. Alan. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, welcome back to You Got to Know. I'm Bo. I'm Rat. And we are absent the unnameable guest. They are fallen brother. They have lost their voice. Pour one out for the podcaster who can't talk. <laughs> okay, this this movie, I'm still going to, like, I'm going to force them to watch this movie still. Because this is unfortunately one of the movies that, like, because of the circumstances, we can't do it remotely as usual. Uh, because, okay, story time, I already went in on this like multiple times with y'all because I just find it so f***ing funny. So we are talking about Down the Rabbit Hole, which is a 1992 direct-to-video stoner spy thriller comedy <laughs> written and directed by Sam and Ted Raimi. This thing is its own genre of movie, I swear yeah. to God. There is nothing else like this out there that exists. Because... <laughs> Literally built different. <laughs> because if the name it didn't give it away, it is Alice in Wonderland themed. Um, and there are drugs. Oh, I okay. Bugs. I never heard of this movie before until like, oh god, when did I move out of the apartment? Was that twenty seventeen? Was that twenty seventeen when I was in the apartment? Is fake, probably. Some at some point in the late 2010s, I had some roommate. I had a roommate situation, as many early 20-somethings uh, do. And the only thing we're gonna say about this uh, roommate situation is that you know it wasn't great. Oh yeah, move out day was a celebration for all of us. Um, on like the official move out day, one of those roommates, let's call her. Let's call her Ech. Crystal. No, that's my aunt's name. Yeah. Ich uh, had a very defining feature about herself, which is that she had like 15 plus boxes. And when I say boxes, I mean big ass moving boxes full of movies, DVDs and VHSs, which was great because our other roommate was like the last person I knew with a VHS player. Um, One that didn't eat everything it looked at. It, he maintained that so beautifully. And it actually worked. Yeah. Like, every time I spent the night over there, we would watch something. Yeah. It was great. Um, but anyways, she, uh, when she moved out, did leave some things behind. Uh, the only one that was intentional was a box of VHSs that she was basically like, just take what you want. I don't care. I'm getting out of here. I don't care. Just take it. Um, <laughs> it was that kind of move out. <laughs> For all of us. Uh, and yeah. Anyways. So one of those movies, because I only took um like a couple out of the box because I wasn't gonna have a VHS player anymore. But this one, I had to because I did not know well, I know pretty much all the cast. Except for one who I didn't know until recently because now he's everywhere I look. F***ing Noah Wilde, get away. I, I know, like, a lot of the people who are in this, which is shocking yeah. because, like, I don't know people. 
That's what this entire podcast is about. And this one, <laughs> I actually knew like so many of these people. Granted, a lot of them. It's so great. A lot of them I knew because of things that we watched for the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I still was able to recognize. Oh my god, Lucy Lawless jump scare. I'm never going oh. to be able to see her as anything but. So the moment she popped mm-hmm. up on screen, it's just like. What are you doing yeah. in my spy movie? <laughs> so, to finish the story, um, I only grabbed it because it looked cheesy and goofy and fun. And, uh, yeah, I never watched it. Like, I just put it with the rest of my movies and assumed, like, okay, eventually I'll get a VHS player to watch it. We decided, eventually, we wanted to talk about this movie. So, went through my mom, found a guy, uh, and we got a DVD rip. <laughs> So we could finally watch it. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was so weird. Because, like, it's like this thing doesn't exist. Yeah. It's like one of those cryptid yeah. movies. Like, Goncharov, you only ever find it, like, in a box. Yeah. attic. It doesn't exist anywhere else. It appears to you if you are meant to watch it. But I'm not shocked because it's a 1992 direct-to-video stoner movie. Like... Yeah, which, like, <laughs> a lot of those direct-to-video ones just vanish yeah. because nobody gives enough of a shit about them to, like, to, like actually rip the movie yeah. and keep it going through the existence of media. Yeah. And it was so funny to finally watch this because, like, Noah Weil... We weren't ready. Yeah, Noah Weil is one of my favorite actors. I adore this man. He is so much fun to watch. I only know about him because, God, months ago now, my friend Clark, who... I'm just... Anytime he tells me to watch something, I'm just gonna go watch it because this is the third f***ing time that he has suggested a show... And it's taken over my life irrevocably. <laughs> um, and you cannot escape. Yeah. And he recommended I watch, which is a whole story. If we ever get to that on the podcast, I'll go into it then. I'm not going to get off track this time. I'm not getting off track. We are not having a category five autism moment. Yeah. Yes. Because I love, I love so much. And I actually. Hmm? I'm stopping myself. Redirect the autism. I'm redirecting redirect it. The because then, because of that, I got into uh, which has pretty much the same cast and crew, especially in the sequel series where they replace where they replace one of the original cast with Noah Weil. And then I decided to go through, you know, his IMDB because he's in so many shows that like are literally like let me put it this way. Because of watching and getting into those shows, I discovered a lot of the people that worked on it behind the scenes, like Joe LaDuca, uh, who also worked on and Dean Devlin, who also worked on and a bunch of other things I was obsessed with as a kid. And like, I'm... I'm yeah, I'm slowly finding, like, okay, so you all, you're all the fuckers that make the stuff I like. You all know how to tap into my autism. Um, <laughs> so when we finally pulled this movie out, like, the DVD rip we got and, like, put it in, 
I fucking lost my sh- It was so funny. Because- Because he's also- He's such a baby in this! He's more of a baby than he is in- And- I, But also, he was like 23 when he did ER. That's and, still baby. Yeah, and he was- um. Yeah, he was only 21 when they filmed this. God. Oh my- Yeah! He was 21! He's such a big- He doesn't even sound the same. But the fetus on set. That's the funniest part of, like, watching his old stuff is, like- Of course, you look at him and it's like, oh, it's the same guy. But you, he opens his mouth and it's like, who the fuck is that? Who is that baby? Who is that squeaky-voiced child? <laughs> Somebody come get your middle school son. That is not... That is not... Who the fuck is that? And... Like... This whole movie is basically just pointing at the screen and saying, That fucker! You. It's you. But yeah, um... And it was really funny to watch because I actually had, I had a moment or two like this, but that's just yeah. because I, we literally just watched and mm -hmm. I, there are people in there who I got to see so much of that I actually yeah. remember what they look like. Okay, let's, <sighs> deep breath. Deep breath. Let's. Contain the autism. Redirect. Redirect the autism. Focus. Because... This is also Alice in Wonderland themed. Another huge Category 5 autism moment for me. We, I talked about it when we watched Alice in Wonderland. Alice yeah. in Wonderland kids of yeah. our families both. Like, anytime Alice in Wonderland yeah. came up, mm -hmm. we were always the one that people thought of. Yeah. When <laughs> it was a subject matter being discussed. So For... Anyone who hasn't listened to the Alice in Wonderland thing, it is like a badge of honor for me that in middle school I watched like every single version of Alice in Wonderland that I could. I I still know I haven't seen every single one, but I have watched most. <laughs> Just kept subjecting me to it because I was Alice coded, and by that I mean yeah. diagnosed autistic. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, we mm, okay we just got to start. And we can go through the cast as yeah. as we go, because there's also things I have learned about people that um, were in this that um, I can't wait to tell you about. Because I watched interviews to prep for this. Oh no, you came guns loaded. <laughs> so, starts out and we meet Jack. Played by Noah Weil. He's a college guy. He's got a girlfriend. He's got like a job as like a gopher or whatever at an office. It starts um, really similarly to how started. Yeah. Very. It's kind of cute, honestly. It's that charming kind of like tear, very early adulthood, freshman year of college kind of vibe. Like, I feel like for doing that genre of, like, a coming-of-age stoner movie, the Raimis are where it's at. Because, like, I said before, this was written by both Raimis. I can't remember if Ted is credited as writing on any of the other projects that he's done with um, his brother, but 
I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> this was this was delightful. Yeah. <laughs> they there there's like a certain sincerity when the two of them get together and do like this kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very much a um I am cringe but I am free kind of vibe. They're having yeah. fun with it and they're embracing the silly while having fun mm-hmm. with it and not being like, hey, hey we're being yeah. cringe kind of thing. They're just being Which, free. Okay. This actually, I think, is the perfect time to bring up the fact um, that I was going to explain before because, like, I don't remember if I've told you about the history of um, Sam and Ted Raimi and Bruce Campbell, um, specifically with the franchise. I think you might have mentioned it. Yeah, because they were, like, college kids when they did that, or at least Sam and Ted were, um, and they, like, funded it. Uh, through, like, garage sales and shit like that. At least that's what I've heard. <laughs> it was, like, that kind of a film, the the first one. Uh, and <laughs> I always assumed the three of them were, like, college friends or something like that. Bruce Campbell was Ted Raimi's babysitter. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you told me about this. Oh, my yeah. God. When when Ted Raimi was like nine years old, the big kid down the street, Bruce Campbell, the like high school junior, was his babysitter taking him to cello lessons. That explains everything about how the three of these guys work together. That's so cute too. <laughs> the vibes are so the, wholesome. This honestly makes that one and um episode when they're dealing with twin brother Uh, makes that whole episode so much cuter because they have so many I feel like this was based on a brotherly interaction moments uh, (laughs) they've been friends so long and working together so long that that's just the vibe it's cute (laughs) it is so cute (laughs) it really is it's adorable also feels funny to call these old men cute when I'm pretty sure they are old enough to be our grandfathers probably but like How old is he? Oh, there is no age limit on cute. I shouldn't have looked it up because I realized, yeah, old. (laughs) Anyways, so back onto the plot. Jack, played by Noah Weil, working the office job, um, only has like his friend Callum, played by Ted Raimi, as comfort, until the two of them are shooting the shit, and Jack gets called into the boss's office, and gets fired. Yippee! Same day as that's happening, it turns out, roommate's breaking his lease. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what's worse? Girlfriend was having an affair with him, and they're moving in together. Everything happened so much for this poor, sad little man. This poor little Mew Mew. He's the saddest, wettest little man. <laughs> the saddest, wettest little Meow Meow to ever oh. get fired, evicted, and broken up with on the same day. And the only consolation this dude has is Callum gives him an eighth of his own homegrown devil's lettuce. <laughs> God, I wish I could remember what our old Japanese teacher used to call drugs. Goodness. He had some really funny names. He did. I, I like, like all those markisms. What did he call it? Rancid pirate cabbage? 
I think so. I think it was something pirate cabbage. I think it was rancid pirate cabbage because he used rancid a lot okay. in his markisms as well. <laughs> Anyways, so that that's literally all this guy has going for him as he has to like immediately get his shit back into his parents' house. Who, listen, Diane Weist and John Lithgow, prototypical like '90s suburban parents. Oh yeah. I would not feel bad having to move back into that house. Like, I get why it sucks, but... But, like... John Lithgow, man. It'd be worse. Oh, so, yeah, he's forced to move back home if he wants to finish school uh, and figure it out. Um, and as he's settling back in, his parents leave him for the night to go off and do their own thing because their kid's off in college. They get to be their own people again. Even though he's moved back. Surprise! Here he is. Um, and so to cope, Jack parks himself in the living room, lights a candle, opens a window, and- Absolutely f***ing sauced. Just lost in the sauce on a level I don't think I a could ever achieve. in the hay. This man <laughs> is smoking a more than a chimney pipe. Like- I don't think, I don't, oh god, it's- Yeah, he didn't either, because he was smoking too much. No thoughts, head full of weed smoke. This is like, this is like Snoop Dogg levels. But also, the funniest part is like, the level of drama they put to this is also funny, considering it was only an eighth. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of weed. Actually, okay, no. The more I'm thinking about it, that is... I feel like that would be kind of comparable to just smoking an eighth in one sitting. <laughs> that personally scares me a little. <laughs> what, you don't want to go to space? I Listen, man, I've done dab. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. No, don't do it. <laughs> I have smoked 80%. I'm never going to again. Into the void until the void stared back, dude. I, it was, listen, okay, we're gonna get back on it, but all I gotta say is, like, you ever seen the movie? Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like that's a very good, that's a very apt descriptor. Oh, no. Of what Smoking Dab is like. <laughs> you know all those scenes where, like, you see the guy with his pretty girl and they're talking, they're having fun, and then someone comes along and she turns back into a mannequin. Oh, no, bro. That's, that's the perfect description of what it's like to smoke dab. Oh. Anyways. Dab of true. <laughs> it was horrible. So yeah, that, I have a feel, that's, that, I, I have a feeling Jack was in a very similar position that night because next day parents are still gone or they've gone to work i don't know but he wakes up he's alone he's just trying to live his day because it's the weekend and he doesn't have to go to classes yet and he's spending his morning with our dinah counterpart a white cat named stonkers this is a cat named by a college man <laughs> i love stonk Stonk is my favorite. Stonks. Wait, oh god, what was the Gontrov cat? Um, Mishka? I think. I think. 
God, what was... Pachka. Pachka, yes. Yeah. Pachka and Stonks. Pachka has nothing on Stonks. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I love Stonkers so much. Uh, and poor guy, you know, is trying to get the cat fed and Stonkers breaks out. <laughs> Escape. And he has to chase him. And when he catches up at the end of the driveway, Stonkers has made a friend. Her name is Alyssa Liz Alyssa Lid I'm fighting because my natural response is to say Alyssa Edwards, the drag queen, but it's <laughs> Alyssa Liddell. 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 Oh my Liddell. god. Like Alice. She's played by Lucy Lawless. <laughs> and she's like the full-on trench coat. She's got like uh like a scarf tied around her hair. And this is this is blonde Lucy Lawless. This is weird. It is. I will never get used to seeing her blonde. But it's gorgeous on her, too. It is. But it's also weird. Yeah. And she's got, like, the sleek sunglasses. She is in, like, full spy mode. She looks like what a kid thinks spies look like. Yeah. And, of course, you know, we get the first quote from the Alice in Wonderland book, to which Jack finishes the line. Throughout their conversation, after, you know, he thinks, okay, weird lady quoting Alice in Wonderland at me, but she saved the cat, whatever. She confirms, like, oh, are you Mr. Welsh? Jack Welsh. Um, to which he's like, oh, yeah, you must be the headhunter my dad was talking about. This and that. You know. And turns out, Alyssa is assuming he is someone called the Welsh Rabbit. <laughs> Which, for those that don't know, Welsh rabbit or Welsh rarebit is, like, a bready cheese soup dish. Oh, hi, soup boy. <laughs> Ironic this would be the recording I'm sober for. <laughs> well, yeah, because the guy already smoked all the weed in existence <laughs> at the start of the movie. Oh... So <laughs> all of the weed in the world was condensed uh, into that one eight. Yeah, it, that was so funny. Anyways, uh, so they, <laughs> assuming that she's the headhunter, Jack, you know, excuses himself to go finish what the morning, get stonkers fed and get dressed and head off with her, assuming they're going to go do some kind of an interview. No, no, they're not. They do go to a business, uh, like, office building, but it's empty. Um, and they end up having a Scooby-Doo chase scene with the Dodo, the Rabbit, and the Lori. I, we haven't had a good Scooby-Doo chase scene in a really long time. Yeah! And... Of all the people to do it, it is Noah Weil, Lucy Lawless, John Larquette, Martin Short, and Abraham Benrubi. It was so yes. Everything about this was just, oh my god. And we get our first look at this trio, who appear to be spies from Alyssa's agency. We got John, La John Larquette doing his thing. Being that guy. I don't know how else to describe what John Larquette does except for being that guy. Yeah. We need to... Oh. This is gonna spoil something, but... We need to watch... 
Oh my god. Because the next episode is going to open with something related to what we're talking about that's going to make you scream. Oh no. Maybe. It all comes Maybe. back to your Category 5 autism moment. All I'm saying is I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to the second episode when we were watching it. Because, oh, it's so good. Anyways. Love that. Uh, Martin Short is also there playing the neurotic little man he's good at playing. Reacher. Like, if you've ever seen that reporter or lawyer character that he did on the one with the cigarette, you know exactly what the mouse is like. He's so creature in this. It is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> and the delightful Abraham Ben Ruby, who I have seen my entire life in TV, but I didn't actually know who the f he was until this movie, uh, because he's also in which I am currently watching. And he's just a delight in everything he's in. He's he's just so fun. And together they make a perfect storm of all the different flavors of spy, but like cartoon spy. They have a lot of fun with the physical comedy because both Abraham Ben Ruby and John Larquette are like, they're pretty, they're larger guys. They're like tall and broad and like a little into, Martin Short is very short. <laughs> yeah, it was. The name is apt. It was, they really are just like, they look like a cast of characters drawn in a cartoon. Every guy is a specific yeah. shape. This guy was short shape. But then there was like the rectangle and the triangle next to him. Yeah. And like, it, it's, the three of them are idiots together. And I love it. Um, it's very Three Stooges. Absolutely. Finally, the Scooby chase ends. They finally get caught up. Jack is lost in... As he should be. <laughs> he thought he was going to, like, a temp agency or, like, the headhunter's office or something to, like, figure out what the f*** is going on now that he's lost his job. No, they're on a Scooby... Get to figure out what's going on. Confusion, always. <laughs> and as... Jack is just sort of standing there, and Alyssa keeps sort of just motioning to him and speaking uh, in his place. They're discussing something about a rival spy group that is trying to get information that they have been tasked with getting to the Welsh rabbit because he should know what to do or, like, who to take it to. Like, it's the sort of thing where, like, not everyone, only some people have certain pieces of information because it's not safe for them to have, you know, because if one person gets caught, then they have everything sort of deal. Jack starts fumbling, trying to explain that, like, they've got the wrong guy, blah, blah, blah. The Dodo's dismissing him, like, who cares? Um, and sends them with a floppy disk to verify the information on it. <laughs> oh my god, I could smell this floppy disk. I Autumn was just like, oh, I'm so familiar with that. Because it was the exact same, like, kind that we had, um, it wasn't, like, a black one. It was, like, a gray one. The exact same kind that we just had around in the office when I was, like, five. Yeah. It was so weird. Everybody always uses the black ones in movies, but this one was a gray one, and it was just mm -hmm. like, oh! So, they head back to Jack's place, the Welsh home, and they put the floppy disk on Jack's dad's computer. Oh, those 1992 home PCs. Oh, it's so shaped and so oh, big. Oh, that keyboard. 
so shaped and so beige, and I bet if you shook that keyboard, like, an entire house full of crumbs would fall out, just from how tall the keys were. God, and the sound, that, like, I don't know how to describe the sound when, like, an old desktop is working, but something about that sound is just so comforting. (laughs) The hum of progress. Yeah. And they put the floppy disk in, and to Jack's confusion, it immediately starts to decrypt. Like, it's didn't have to really do much. They just put it in, and it knew what to do. Uh, and weirdly enough, two gardeners show up outside in, like, a whole uh, landscaping van and everything. Not suspicious at all. Yeah. Alyssa is deeply suspicious of this, and asks, like, hey, is this a thing to which she's like no my mom is like deeply protective of her garden and her yard and then one of them puts a ladder on the house and climbs up and drops down the chimney uh this was so if it weren't live action it's like i could just imagine exactly how they would animate the fucking like kind of thing that he did in that chimney in the credits They are credited as Pat and Bill, so you can assume this is, like, that scene when Alice gets stuck in the White Rabbit's house. They are played. (laughs) I'm sorry, this is so f***ing funny. Um, They're played by Mitch Pelegi, which most people will know from as... Oh, boy. And George Clooney. I forgot what George Clooney looked like. Especially young George Clooney, like George Clooney. Freaking out, and I was just there like, who is this man? Because like- Who? Before, what was that Tarantino movie he did? Before that, he was still like working up the ranks. Because watching, I've gotten a lot more info on his career, but also he's so big nowadays that like, it's kind of funny to think about just the grueling upward battle that his career was. <laughs> because truly, he it's... We'll have to get into it sometime. It's kind of funny. Especially considering, like, a lot of his old work I've gone into with the assumption that he is the star. Because I know him as, like, you know... George Clooney? Spy mm-hmm. Master George Clooney? He's that big guy, George Clooney. <laughs> and now he has like a no lines bit in a directed video movie where his whole thing is jump down a chimney and get your lights knocked out by Lucy Lawless. Oh my god. Yet another reason why I feel like they just put in this. Just they just she's just here because this woman fucking obliterates yeah. him. Yeah, because she... Because oh, this is pre- wasn't until, like, 1995, I want to say. But I get after this why she was tapped for the role of, like, 110%. Like she tapped this guy's skull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where am I? Oh, yes. So, <laughs> of course, you know, they're fighting... Uh, Alyssa's got it. Well, Jack's pretty much just trying to make sure that the floppy disk um, decrypts in time. And they manage to knock him out. And they 
just have to leave. They can't wait for the program to finish. They just have to leave and hope they can find somewhere else to finish decrypting this. And they arrive at a safe house. At this safe house, Alyssa goes in and tells Jack to stand guard in case this happens again. Except Jack doesn't know how to fight. He's still trying to explain that she's got the wrong guy and she is not listening. The computer did not help him out in that regard. Like, the computer is totally there to... to... Mm -hmm. If he had lied to try to convince them that he was the guy, the computer would have backed him up 100%. Now it's not letting him back out. (laughs) And as Jack is guarding the safe house, he runs into Callum again, who's literally just hanging out on the street. There. Leaning up against a lamp pole. He's just there. And he's being kind of weird. He's giving all these vague statements and talking in mostly gibberish. And then he offers Jack a bag of shrooms. <laughs> Which, after the weed incident, phenomenal. Don't like, do it. Don't do it. Don't take the dream shrooms. Outer space, buddy. This does not end well for him. Uh, And Jack is, as he's about to go back to his post, kidnapped and thrown in a limo. Hilarious. (laughs) To which I'm going to assume that uh, Callum was a distraction. So I guess in his dream, Callum is a bad guy. Look, distraction. Hands you some fucking mushrooms. (laughs) <laughs> i so, mean it would be a very effective distraction to just hand the guy yeah. some absolutely insane mushrooms because <laughs> we know the mushrooms are absolutely insane considering the person oh. they're coming from yeah listen i would not take shrooms from ted Raimi. <laughs> i i just wouldn't take shrooms from most people uh that i don't know well especially a co-worker a former co-worker but like I feel like that would be, I, I feel like those would be some next level shrooms in a way that I'm not ready to comprehend. Especially not a former coworker who also looks like because that is what I exactly. see. I see mm-hmm. and I see and I see giving a guy random mushrooms that'll send him <laughs> to Pluto. <laughs> oh, so that happens. And in the limo, um, we see Jack has been kidnapped by, quote-unquote, the Cheshire Cat, is her code name, um, played by a very young Shannon Doherty. Literally, she is just there to smile and pet a cat. Like, this entire interaction is Jack gets thrown in, he orients himself, and there is just Shannon Doherty sitting there petting a white cat that looks a lot like stonkers and just giving him one of those cheshire grins and does not react or answer a singular question that's the true intimidation tactic just literally do nothing yeah it's very unnerving honestly i mean that's the point and it's it works very well it's extremely effective I feel bad for anyone who watched this um, movie under the influence because even so oh, far, that yeah. movie was not oh, this fun. For stoned when we watched this, I would have been like viscerally uncomfortable about the whole Cheshire Cat scene. Yeah, because it just keeps going and going and going until they arrive at their destination, and Jack is just kind of dragged out. Guy just keeps getting manhandled by everyone. He is the saddest, wettest little man, and people are just 
He's he's getting ragdolled by the plot engine, not the physics engine. Bro, shut the fuck up. That was literally word for word what I was about to say. Get the fuck out of my head. I'm sorry, dude. The psychic connection is just too powerful at this point. I'm in there now. That was genuinely unnerving to hear. My god. <laughs> <laughs> what the f I'm in your head. <laughs> really crowded in here. Oh. I want to get out. Oh my god. So, <laughs> yet another meeting room. Um, conference room style place. Uh, and it's just one long, long, long table with a lot of office chairs. And sitting at the end of it, at the opposite end of Jack, is the Mad Hatter. I would love to have a tea party in an office meeting room. Can you imagine? With the wheelie chairs? Oh my god, that would be delightful. Okay, this is the funniest part because I've brought up many times but here's the thing because like i know both noah Weil and abraham ben ruby from but as i was watching it this morning while we waited to get started and i can't tell you how hard i screamed when marge helgenberg popped up in the morning before we record the movie where she plays the mad hatter yeah. No. Dude, you do not understand what genuine jump scare that was. Jump scare. It has been so long since I watched that I... It was like when I saw my former co-worker who quit like six months ago show up to shop like last week. And I was like, do I know you from somewhere? Because I fucking recognized her, but I just couldn't remember where. That's delightful. What are you doing here? All I have to say about her as the Mad Hatter is, please, I hope she has played more villains. Because I know that this is very much the vibe of when she was in that Stephen King movie. In that one, actually. Which is tragic. Neither have I. We should watch it together. Should. Honestly, we should- We should do a Stephen King season. Yes! Holy sh- That would be awesome. And Jack is given tea. And I, I personally find this really funny. He refuses to drink the tea, rightfully, because who f***ing would in this situation? This is incredibly dubious tea. Like, this is the scariest tea we've ever seen. Cut to him, Jack, getting jabbed in the neck with a needle, and we pan over to see the person who's done it is Jeffrey f***ing Combs as the March Hare. This is a delightful little, um, oh my god, he looks so deranged in this, but just like a little bit, just a little bit deranged. He is on his last ner nerve. If you look at him wrong, he will just go, he will just go ape I feel like this is the perfect, like, middle ground between when he played the and when he played in which we are going to be watching at the end of the sci-fi season, so you're going to see that soon. I... He played five characters in that show. Wow. Yeah. He has the range. You say, and that's not even counting um, the other characters he's played. He's probably played closer to ten characters in all of can't they find another guy occasionally? He won't let them. This is the only guy they have. He will not let them. <laughs> Guys, when they show up, he stabs him in the neck with a needle. 
that they saw in their last moments now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the mar- they start interrogating him about Alyssa and her organization. So we can puzzle out then that Callum, the Cheshire Cat, the Mad Hatter, and the March Hare are all part of the enemy spy organization. After getting, you know, spiked, um, getting jabbed, getting uh, a little pokey poke. uh, Abracadabra. Jack starts tripping and has like a full on Alice in Wonderland mad tea party hallucination. Where Callum gets the space drugs. Watching this movie sober feels like a bad trip. Yeah. And not necessarily like a bad trip, but like. Oh my God, dude, we need (laughs) to watch this during a stoner sleepover. We do have to. This, okay, I genuinely, okay, genuinely, genuinely, genuinely. This movie feels like shit that I would write high. Where it's the kind of thing where you're like, "This is brilliant. This is great. This is gonna be an absurdist masterpiece." And then you read it sober, and it's like, "What the fuck was I saying?" Yeah, but I also love that. <laughs> it feels like the notes that you write because you don't expect that you're gonna forget the context, and then after you forget the context, like. I found one of those in an old um, notebook for my archaeology course in college that just said, a corpse suspended in jello. And that was all I wrote on one entire page because I thought I would never forget the context, but I forgot the context. So now all I have is a corpse suspended in jello. I remember that. I don't remember the context, but I remember you being like, dude, look, what the f is this? Because <laughs> I found it while I was looking for art. So this, this Alice in Wonderland trip. Uh, that Jack is going on ends with Alyssa saving him by playing musical chairs. Oh, this was so delightful. Also, highest stakes game of musical chairs I have ever seen. Oh my god, no joke. By the time he's, like, sobered up because they go on the run down the street through the back alleys, there's rainbow vomit so on and so forth absolutely lost in the sauce yeah it's like every um joke about a character being stoned you know the the, you see the flowers committing crime and there's vomiting rainbow vomiting gnomes and (laughs) it's it's funny it's really cute i enjoy it especially because it's fighting for his life yeah, especially because it's 100% practical um, with, like, flourishes of 2D animation. I feel like they should have, what, got reached out for the 3D, though. I know that in 1992 that would have been way more expensive, but I feel like that cheap, cheap, cheap f***ing animation would have been so perfect. Oh, oh it would have. Oh, my God. Like, the really bad CGI. Mm-hmm. It would have... That would have been, like, so chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, of course, by the time Jack is sobering up, he's had his own rainbow vomit moment, he gets body slammed into the cement by a security guard and kidnapped again. (laughs) Can't catch a break. He's the saddest, wettest little meow meow, and every minute he gets sadder and wetter. Like, he... He has to have so many ribs broken at this point doesn't have any ribs left it's all just paste he's turned into one of those like squish toys that try to escape your hands when you squeeze it 
Oh yeah, the uh, the uh, squeezy tubes with all the yeah. Yeah. One of those. The hand job practicers. Yes, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Yeah, he turned into one. Oh my god. The problem is that he's not good enough at it, so they keep holding on to him. He yeah. can't get away. And when he comes to, he's been tied up in a chair on a putt-putt course. Poor, unfortunate, sad little Meow Meow. This is where he meets the Queen of Hearts, played by Lucy Lawless. It's her. And it turns out, we think that Alyssa has been playing him this whole time for a second till she pops up. No, they're twins. My God. They keep doing double Lucy Lawless. First it was the four. Now it's the two. The one queen of hearts and the one who's not the queen of hearts. But there's still two of them. Yeah. Yeah. They... She just has the range to do that. I feel like you could genuinely, you could genuinely, I was about to say, you could just cast her in every role and I realized that's just... Yeah, you literally could do that. They already did. There are very few actors that I feel like can genuinely play, like, multiple characters in one thing. Um, Lucy is one of them, though. Absolutely. Lucy could have played every single role in this movie... And I would have believed every single bit of it. I would not have questioned why they were all Lucy Lawless. I would not have questioned the cheap 90s effects to get all of those Lucys on screen. Yeah, it would have just been like, oh, hi, Lucy. Oh, hi, Lucy. Oh, hi, Lucy. Oh, hi, Lucy. (laughs) God, I love Lucy Lawless. So um, we also get a Bruce Campbell jump scare because he's the king of hearts. Oh, yes. How fitting. And he, the, the king and queen of hearts, are trying to get the floppy disk from him. They're trying to find out, like, okay, where is it? We know you guys have been doing this. We need that information. We need this thing. To which he's like, where is it, you sad little meow yeah. meow? Um, and Jack is released to, you know, give it to them. To which he then pulls out the shattered floppy disk from his pocket because last time he got slammed into the cement they broke it love that at least it's some punishment for obliterating this poor man's rib cage yeah um of course then we get the fun you know everyone's running in um the dodo the mouse and the lorry arrive just at the same time as the mad hatter the march hare and the cheshire cat do things start you know People start tussling, things start going a little crazy, and then the real Welsh rabbit appears. And it's his dad. This was, like, I didn't want to say it was, like, a plot twist, because obviously it worked on his computer, but I genuinely forgot about that by the time it had made it to this point in the movie, so it was, like, genuinely, like, holy bruh! Because I forgot that it had just worked on his computer. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, of course the Welsh rabbit is his dad. Why else would Alyssa have been there? (laughs) Of course it was his dad. It worked on his computer and she went straight to him. (laughs) Yeah. But we still got fucking Um, got by this plot twist. 
And that still doesn't change how funny it is when the Welsh rabbit appears and they do like the fedora face hide bit and he looks up dramatically when they ask who he is and he answers the rabbit, the Welsh rabbit. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Oh my God. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> this is so funny. I love John like... Lithgow. He's so much fun. <laughs> Never watch him play a villain. You will never be able to watch his stuff the same. Oh, no. Don't do it. Don't make my mistake. <laughs> oh, no. Anyways, him playing a goofy spy, though. That's delightful. Him b- doing his best James Bond. This is fun. This is just so a fantastic. Um, <laughs> And that is the last straw for Jack. That's, he's done, he's it, he has had it up to here, he is not okay, and he just starts having, like, a total freak out on this putt-putt course, as he rightly deserves. He deserves to freak out on this putt-putt course, he has earned this meltdown. Yeah, because, like, his life has gone to hell in a handbasket, and all of a sudden, like, everything just got weirder and worse, and, and he's been tripping balls. He's he <laughs> yeah. he has no more ribs. They took his ribs. Yeah. And as soon as it hits the crescendo, he gets cold clocked into the pond by the Queen of Hearts. It was delicious. At <laughs> this poor man, he's got no bones left. He's literally just paced. His poor nose. <laughs> Everything about this man is broken and bruised yeah. and crumbling. Yeah, um, hard cut to Jack waking up on the couch with, like, literal minutes to hide his paraphernalia as his parents get home. <laughs> and it's it's so funny, like, the candle has gone out, um, the smoke is cleared, and it's just normal. It's like, okay, that was just a f***ed up drug dream. Let's, let's just go to bed. Let's go to bed. <laughs> Let's go to bed. We've had enough. We've had quite a time, and we are ready to settle down for the night. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, everyone's heading to bed. They go up, and, you know, Jack is just sort of talking with his dad. Like, I had the weirdest dream. You know, I fell asleep watching TV, had the weirdest dream. You would not believe it. You were like this super spy, the Welsh rabbit, and, like, I they mistook me for you and this and that. It's like, oh, haha, that's so funny. Wouldn't it be funny if I really was a spy? And it's this very- Oh, how funny, son. Now go to bed. Yeah, and it's this very, like, tongue-in-cheek moment where he's like, oh, that would be ridiculous. That would never happen. Wink, wink. To which Jack has to stand there like, what? Wait, no, what did you say? What? Cut to credits. (laughs) only thing that would have made this better would be if he had to close Jack's bedroom door in his face. Yeah. I wish that that had happened. <sighs> this oh my whole God. movie. It's an experience. It really that- is. It's an experience that I have never seen. Like, I have seen bits and pieces of it in each of the genres that they have smashed together like fucking Play-Doh into some weird brownish multicolored mush. Mm-hmm. But, like, everything just... It made a new color instead of just being brown multicolored mush Yeah, this time. It's fun. It's like a... It's the kind of kaleidoscope 
of weird that I would expect from the Raimis. Um, it's a kaleidoscope of madness. Yeah, I don't know how else to describe this. It was just fun. Really was. This was such a fun movie. Yeah, it it's it's a '90s stoner com like an early '90s stoner comedy. Oh yeah, and that I don't even know when that genre technically came to be. Like it, well, no, it had to be. Weed has been part of human culture for so long. I'm pretty sure the yeah. stoner movie actually no. No, the stoner movie is as old as film. Reefer Madness. <laughs> the original Don't Do Drugs campaign. Don't do kids, drugs. <laughs> I We should watch that sometime. That 30s movie. Really should. We should watch it when we're having a stoner sleepover, too. Wow, that, that's an that original idea. I know, right? I'm so creative. <laughs> that would actually be a lot of fun. I I don't I don't even know what to say about this movie to conclude it because it's just one of those things where like I've been assaulted by so many things I adore and so many fun things and it's it's I love watching early 90s media. I am discovering that after I watched it because there are so many actors who are like at least now in our time such massive deals but in 1992 what all they could do was a direct video movie yeah he was just a little guy like this this movie feels like those amusement park rides where like you save it for the end of the day at the fair and you get on the ride and you're like woo yay and then once you get off the ride it's like that was fun i think i'm done now and then you just go home feeling yeah, satisfied it's like a perfect cap off like it is it is like an absurdist comedy i would recommend to almost anyone good luck finding it though <laughs> god that's the worst part is if i want to inflict people on this i have to just have to bring them to your house yeah. or just carry the dvd on me at all times and hope someone has a player because like the amount of effort that, like, we had to rope your mom into finding this thing. Oh, God. So much effort for what was genuinely yeah, a good time. it was definitely but worth I, the I... effort. And also, it was very on-brand how much we had to do to actually be able to witness this with our eyes. I wish I was better at talking about things I liked, because all I could really do is point at, like, the actors I know and say, this was good. When it's like, there are reasons it was good. There are reasons that I like it. Look at it. this guy. Look at his face. It's good. I know. I feel like I'm just sort of, like, pushing young Noel closer to the camera. Like, look at him. Why wouldn't? Oh, shit. One sec. I'm getting a phone call. Ha <laughs> ha. Hello? Seven days. I'm glad I hung up then. Thank you for listening to You Got to Know. Be sure to share with your friends and family.